like I'm obsessed. I'm deep in the Supernatural rewatch and I am obsessed with every minute of it. I've posted a few things. Like there was somebody pointed out there was a scene in one of the like shining type episode where Sam says that maybe Dean is overcompensating and that's why everybody thinks that he's gay. And Dean goes like, hmm, right. And there's a look that he gets on his face. It was like, that was not a heterosexual look on your face. Oh, is that the one who was like, <laughs> you are quite butch. Yeah, yeah. And he like contemplates. He's thinking. I, I know, he just kind of like smiles and like looks down and I'm like, Dean, what, you, Dean, what is that? Yeah. And there was a scene uh, after he like survives his coma that the doctor says you must have an angel looking out for you and i i actually said out loud in my room by myself not until next season <laughs> i hate myself mm -hmm. i hate it uh but i and i will die on this hill um dean and mickey if they had ever met best friends best friends i know <laughs> that i need that that fic has to exist that headcanon has to exist. There's no way Mickey wouldn't love being a hunter. There's no way. Dude, Mickey would eat that shit up. Like, shameless, but it's supernatural. Yeah, I I will die on that hill. I, I fully believe. And, like, Sam and Ian would just be standing off to the side. Like, should we just go? Oh, uh, my God. Now I want to uh, make, like, uh, shameless characters as supernatural characters. Fuck yeah. I mean, just gents, just Dean and Mickey are just literally like <laughs> queer like, boys with anger issues and daddy issues. That's literally my ta. That's that's me. <laughs> They're like, built the same way. Like you know what like kinning is and stuff like that. Like Mickey and Ian are like two of my kins and I'm like they go so hand in hand. It like it makes so I was talking to Sebastian about this and he was like that makes sense and I was like shut the fuck up. <laughs> So yeah, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave in that supernatural stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, because I don't even know if we've posted since the supernatural finale aired, and my opinions on it have changed since then. There so has been like, forward, even though the show ended, there's been at least like five more episodes <laughs> since it ended. <laughs> so even if I said before that I think the ending was good, it's only in that I think that Dean needed to be dead. They they both needed to be dead for the show to be over. But I am still furious about the lack of Cass. The Stacey Abrams thing happened last night, and I expected more from that, but, like, no content came from that. Yeah, the only content really were the bloopers at the very end. Those were so fucking funny. Jensen, Those were so good. Jensen is a king of not breaking his NDA. He did not breathe a fucking word. There was Corky. this... I don't remember the context of this, but I saw this on Tumblr. It was like, Jensen Ackles says he's the bottom and you're laughing. <laughs> and I was like, I what god, thanks! I think he was like underneath Misha in the Zoom thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Jared, Jared cut his hair because he's doing Walker. I and... don't care about Walker and I'm not gonna watch Walker. I don't care about Cowboys. Yeah. No, that's a mood. Yeah. I yeah. finally was just released from my supernatural curse. Now I have to wait until I'm done my Riverdale curse. I cannot join another CW thing. <laughs> no way, Jose. Yeah, no. Um I'm I'm all here for Jensen and the boys though. I'm like, excited for that. Yeah. Because I, I googled who his character was going to be, and his is basically like the mock Captain America, like Nazi punching, like built guy and i'm so excited just funny because i'm pretty sure jensen turned down captain america to keep supernatural yeah he jensen turned down 
Captain America, yeah, Jensen turned down so many higher up, uh, like, casting positions for Supernatural just to get fucked like that. I saw so many people, like, Jared, Walker, Texas Ranger, Jensen, The Boys, Misha, Collins. (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is reading in audio form, but we are both crying laughing about (laughs) I love Misha so much. Did someone tweet that? Because that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. I love that man so much. That's like, I, because I feel like he's one of those people, he was never like an actor, actor, but then of course he got like supernatural. So of course he got that ride for the while, but like, he hasn't really been in anything. And I personally don't think he's gonna really continue with like, I don't think he's gonna like just go on another show. If that makes any sense. Cause Misha has so much other that he could focus on as of now. But at the same time, I'm like, I love you. He does, like, charity work and his activism, and I think he's just still going to be just active in fan bases for a while, which is, yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah, because he's active in other places that isn't just Supernatural, which is, like, opens his terrain. And yeah. every person on Earth basically knows his name. Uh, but anyway, this isn't a Supernatural podcast. This is not a Supernatural podcast. We're just both, um, queer and sad, so. <laughs> Much like Dean and Mickey are the same people, the people that watch Shameless for Mickey and the people that watch Supernatural were the same, were the same fucking people. Uh, but this is a Shameless recap podcast, the luck we had. Hello. Uh, I'm, I'm Amanda. I'm Evan. Welcome back. We're your hosts. <laughs> and, uh, we just got off, uh, filming the mini-sode that hopefully is out by now, uh, but this is our mega episode, not mega, it's normal episode of season two, episode six of Shameless, Can I Have a Mother? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't care, I didn't like this episode that much. Mm-hmm. Um, except it's the Grammy and Sheila content is immaculate. This episode, I like it because it's a lot of banter and it's funny banter, but at the same time, I'm just like... Yeah. But so, you know what? Let's not... Look. We're really selling it. We're really selling uh, how exciting this episode is going to be to everybody. Uh, thank you all for listening, by the way. Somebody uh, commented on our YouTube that we were their top most listened podcast in their Spotify wrapped and that they listened to like seven episodes in one day, which is fucking crazy. And thank you so much for that. That's that's amazing. I will be shamelessly plugging the podcast. It is the only thing linked on my TikTok. And I've just been making shameless and supernatural <laughs> content that's been getting views on TikTok. So um, anybody that's here from TikTok, welcome. Hello. Hi. Welcome, Hi. welcome. It is snowing outside right now. What? Lucky. It literally wasn't snowing 10 minutes ago. And now full on snowing outside my window. What the like, heck? It's supposed to rain for me. Oh, it says it's supposed to snow next Tuesday. What the heck? It's supposed to rain for me in like an hour. That's crazy, my guy. But yeah, this is, we're going to recap season two, episode six, Can I Have a Mother? Uh, If you want to hear about season 11 opinions that we have, that's in our mini-sode. Check out the mini-sode that will be, (laughs) has been released. It's like 20, 25 minutes long, probably after the edit. And, uh, you know, that's where you'll hear that. I'm sure some of it will leak into our opinions here, but we're going to, we're going to power through. And do get back into season two, the land of early times. All right. So this episode premiered on February 12th, 
2012. Uh, it's called Can I Have a Mother. It was written by William H. Macy. The man himself. This is the only one he ever writes on, but he will go on to direct uh, the one in season uh, one in season five, Tell Me You Fucking Need Me. That's the one where Ian is in the psych ward in like the yellow shirt the whole time. Mm. One in season nine, Black Haired Ginger, where Ian almost runs away to Mexico. And the one in season 10, Sparky, the one where Ian meets his P.O. So, you know, he directs some good ones. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think the dialogue and the banter in this episode is really good. And I, I wonder how much of that was William H. Macy. Because, like, it's wild. I never knew that he wrote an episode. Yeah, I never, I knew he directed because I remember seeing, like, cast photos from, like, the later seasons and being like, look who's, who's directing today. Like, all that stuff. So, yeah, he, so now we know William H. Macy, Emmy, and now Shinola are three of the cast members that we know have directed episodes. Hell yeah. It's fucking rad. So yeah, William H. Macy, Stephen Schachter, uh, this is the only episode he's ever written on. He also directs and writes a bunch of TV movies that I promise you've never heard of. Like, yeah. like they're all made for TV shit that but it's a lot a couple of them are with William H. Macy, so I wonder if they're just writing partners, and that's why this guy's only on one episode writing, because he probably was just helping William. Yeah. And Latoya, staff writer. She's been on every other episode we've talked about this season. Uh, this episode was directed by John Dahl, his second of two Shameless episodes he ever directs. Uh, the other one was Killer Carl in season one. The guy directs all over Showtime, Ray Donovan, Dexter, Billions, Californication, House of Lies. He also directs all over Netflix. He's very busy. And uh, the title, I I don't, I realize we don't talk about the titles that much, um, except for like when they pop up in dialogue. I think this is one of the rare times where the title, Can I Have a Mother, applies to multiple characters. Grammy Gallagher, Ethel, Sheila, and Karen a little bit. Oh, yeah, true. So I, I don't know. I liked that. I, I, okay, William H. Macy with your good titles. So the synopsis of this episode, Graham, Grammy Gallagher, who we met in season one when Ian and Lip went to visit her in prison at, to find Frank's brothers to figure out who Ian's dad was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grammy Gallagher shows up on medical furlough and tries to track down a former meth lab protege that owes her money. Fiona double dates with Steve and his Brazilian girlfriend, and Frank discovers the identity of Eddie's insurance beneficiary. Previous song was done by Frank. No surprise there. No surprise. <laughs> and in the previously on, uh, Sheila is shut up in her room. Eddie is dead. Ian's mad about the West Point thing with Lip. Ethel and Malik are dating, and Ethel's husband is now dead. Karen is pregnant. Lip wants to be the dad, but Jody and Karen are married. And Steve is back. He's back. Uh, so let's jump into it. We open in the daycare where Debbie is settling the books with one of the moms, uh, charging her for late pickup because we love a hustle. Mm-hmm. A van pulls up and an, the old woman, uh, Grammy Gallagher, who we met back in season one, is she's wheeled out uh, on a wheelchair from this like from this van. And Debbie stops her at the door because Debbie doesn't know who this woman is. She's like, I'm sorry if you're looking for like the old the nursing home it's like down the block and grammy's like i'm your grandmother uh but nice to meet you grammy also ethel and malik are like sitting out on the porch with their kids being cute i love them so she meets ethel and malik and then says some racist (sighs) stuff about his name we we love a comment like that yeah like i know i let's talk about this for a second everybody's like oh shameless and so like they're saying raunchy and and derogatory things I don't believe the title of the show gives you a free pass to be racist all the time. No, it doesn't. 
they're a little too free flying with their slurs on this show for a white male mostly writer's room. I'm just a white straight male mostly writer's room. I'm just saying. Just saying. Maybe 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 if that's the demographic in the writer's room. No, even if your your character maybe be, be of color, you you don't get the power to write that. Not saying all the writers cuz like obviously Latoya Morgan isn't a, isn't a white straight male, but you, you know, there's a there's a not a lot of not white straight guys in that room for the amount of sh- slurs that come flying out of it. Anyway, then we got away to Steve. God, did you miss Steve? I missed Steve. I missed him, but now now I'm just kind of mad at him. Like, now actually, like, kind of going through everything. Like, I love Steve so much, but I'm just like, God damn, leave her alone. <laughs> I sort of love season, season two, Steve, because, like, he is flailing the whole time. He's like, I had to marry a drug lord's daughter because uh, he was gonna he was gonna murder me. And he's just, like, fully flustered the whole... He's not, like, the confident, swaggy Steve of the first season. Yeah. But we're, we're with Steve. He's in a hotel room. He's getting some cash together and telling a naked woman who is speaking Portuguese on the phone that he will be back soon. She doesn't fucking care about anything he's saying. She's on the phone with somebody. Nope. Back, she's gorgeous, by the way. Estefania is, is gorgeous. She's so pretty. Uh, back to the Gallagher's. Grammy and Carl are bashing a hole in the wall in the bathroom, and we get an update on where everybody is. It's all normal, except apparently nobody has seen Lip in Days. Nobody has seen Lip in days. Where is he? <laughs> Franco's missing for one night and they launched a search party, but no concern for Lip being gone for days. I Yeah, I'm in my feelings about Lip and I'm like angry that they don't care that he was- I know that later on they also don't care that Ian disappears, but like, where where's Lip? Where did he go? <laughs> like, where- like, he's only- so many places where we see him. Who, whose house is he crashing at? So anyway, Carl hits gold in the wall and Grammy pulls out bags and piles of cash and a gun out of the bathroom wall. She tells Carl he can touch the gun, but never the trigger unless you're unless you want to shoot somebody. So like sort of uh- responsible. He was going to touch it anyway, I guess. And then she pays Debbie and Carl to keep their fucking mouth shut about the secret bathroom cash. You know what, Mood? If she paid me to, I'd be like, oh, you're the one with the cat with the stash of money. Yeah, I'll do whatever the fuck you want me to do. And then we go to the Jackson house, where Sheila is still too afraid to leave her bedroom. Uh, but she has to cook for Karen's wedding reception, so she's doing it on her bed in her bedroom. She's Jody- so- her power. So she's got Jody operating, like, the kitchen downstairs and, like, shuttling things back and forth to her. You know, she's nothing if not ingenuitive. Exactly. Uh, she's also using Frank as a runner for the kitchen stuff, but he won't shut the fuck up about Eddie's money and getting access to Eddie's money. He is so adamant that he doesn't even help his case because he's so, like, so, like, money, money, money. And Sheila, like, tries to ignore him begging for a while, and then she's like, I can't let you be in charge of the money. You're an alcoholic. Queen shit right there. Plus, as of now, they haven't really spoken about, like, them getting married or anything, right? Yeah. Uh, And then Karen comes in with an enormous fish, and Frank gives up on his pestering and leaves them alone. And then Sheila and Karen have to have a conversation about the fact that Sheila is going to need to leave the bedroom to host the wedding reception. She doesn't want to. (laughs) And I love Joan so much. The way that she handles Sheila spinning out is so brilliant. Like, the choices that she makes. Oh, she's so good. Joan Cusack is a treasure. 
so then back to the Gallagher house. Uh, Debbie goes into Fiona's room to wake her up because Fiona's doing that sleep after my shift thing and tells her, um, Grammy is here in the house, uh, just so you know. And then we got <laughs> then we get to Steve knocking on Tony's door next door and meeting a beautiful lady who calls Tony honey. And then Steve Steve basically shoves some money into Tony's pocket. And Tony's like, I don't take bribes. And Steve's like, you are literally living in one. <laughs> you literally are a bribe. You're living in one. So he's like, here's some money. Don't arrest me while I'm here. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye now. It's, it's so like they squash that storyline so fast. They're like, I'm going to give you money and you're going to shut the fuck up and stay over there. And then a real quick scene of Grammy and Carl opening up an empty safe deposit box at the bank. So Grammy opens it, sees it's empty and is super fucking mad about it. And then we go back to Steve. I think the key was like in the bathroom in the bag. Yeah, I think it was just like where all of the stuff she hid there. It was just kind of probably all like in like a pile or like another box. And then we go back to Steve. Uh, Lip runs into him on the street, so hello, what's up, Lip? What's up? And we find out, uh, that Steve has been in Brazil, and I'm mad that dick reduction jokes made me think of Ian and Mickey. Why am I like this? (laughs) Like, he asks if if Jimmy needed to get some plastic surgery, and and Jimmy Steve's like, yeah, a dick reduction. And I was like, remember that deleted scene? I I hate myself. I hate that I'm like this. Uh, and then Fiona comes out on the porch in a cute little crop top and some shorts. Like, she looking cute. And she talks to Steve in, like, sort of a friendly, flirty way. And we find out Grammy is out of prison on medical furlough. Uh, she used to run meth labs, if you do remember. Uh, so she's out on medical furlough. The prison released her because she's apparently dying. Yeah, I don't think they said, like, what she has yet, just that she's sick. But, like, that's why. If you get released on medical furlough, it's because you're dying and they don't want to deal with you dying in the prison. So then Fiona and Steve talk about Tony's live-in girlfriend, and it's a little bit flirty. And then Fiona says she's seeing someone. Like, are, are you, though? And Steve says so is he, and they should have a double date. And, like, it's very, like... I'm not backing down if you're not backing down. Like, it, they're they're very they're both very stubborn. But they're really flirty and cute, and I like them a lot. Meanwhile, inside, the daycare is still going on. Grammy is doing research on a Dr. Noah Pitts for some reason. And we see the picture of Dr. Noah Pitts, and yes, that's right. It's God. It's Chuck Shirley. <laughs> it's Rob Benedict. <laughs> I remember and- watching that for the first time, and I was like, Hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> it's that, that's part of the reason I'm glad I'm keeping in that supernatural banter in the beginning, because we get an appearance of God in this episode of Shameless. Now we know God used to run a meth lab. <laughs> yep, before he was before he was writing the Winchester story, he was running a fucking meth lab. Wait, this might have even been after he joined Supernatural. Yeah, because he was, was his first episode in Supernatural, I think, is season four four season five that's like 2009 or 10 yeah so this was after his first appearance on glee i mean uh, not on glee <laughs> sorry <laughs> my friends are text my friend texted me about glee <laughs> and i just read that while trying to say supernatural <laughs> <laughs> not glee oh uh. no okay sorry that was a tangent uh so inside daycare is still going on grammy's doing research uh, but before we find out why she's re- looking up this doctor man, uh, we find out, we see Frank go into the alibi. He gives some nonsense speech about economics to some guy. 
And then Grammy sneaks up on him. Suddenly Grammy is at the alibi too. And Kev seems to know her. He's like, what up? What what, what are you doing out of prison? (laughs) She's like, tricked him into thinking I was dying. So she's saying that she's not dying. She tricked them into thinking she Mm -hmm. was dying. Things are very tense between her and Frank. And he he is struck silent. Like all of a sudden he's not rambling being con man Frank anymore. He's... He's afraid. Yeah, you can tell him and Grammy got some beef. Frank is afraid of this woman. I, I, I kind of love this. And then back at Golden Hour, all of these scenes, on, like, outside the, the Gallagher house were, like, during peak Golden Hour. It's, like, gorgeous lighting going on. Uh, Fiona and Lip go up on the roof, which I don't know if we ever see again, the roof of the Gallagher house. And Fiona tries to find out why Lip and Ian are still fighting, but Lip Lip won't talk about it. Uh, so Fiona tries to get Lip to move on from Karen, because she's like, Karen's married, she's having a baby, Can you? I need you, I need you to move past her, I need you to forget about this woman. Neither of them are brave enough to kick out Grammy. She's like, you do it. He's like, you fucking do it. I'm not doing it. And then Fiona's like, make it right with Ian. You two are my rocks. I can't do this without you. I think about that line a lot. Like I said, when Fiona left, Lip and Ian became the main characters. Just saying. They are her rocks. Back at the alibi, uh, Grammy complains to Frank and says she needs a ride to see the guy who ratted her out. And he's like, I don't have a car. She's like, you're a fucking loser. And then they ask Kev for his truck and he says no. Grammy just gives him cash. We're taking your truck. We're gonna take your truck. Then we join Fiona and V as they clock into work and talk about Steve and the double date. V is very in favor of Fiona going and teases her about her shitty date with Craig Heisner. But V's like, no, you've got to go and check out what the situation is. I I love best friends. Uh, V's like, no, I'm here for the tea. I need I need content. You need to you need to go to that. And then it's nighttime at the Jacksons' house. Sheila wakes up in the middle of the night because Frank has wet the bed. That's <laughs> Frank is so afraid of his mom. He's starting to wet the bed, which is I I love that aspect. I love seeing Frank afraid. It's so good. The next morning. <laughs> Lip walks into the cash and grab where Ian is working. He tries to talk to Ian about Grammy and even fucks up the store trying to get a rise out of him. And this is the first time we hear, like, the chin. Lip's like, really? You're gonna give me the chin? It's like Cam's little, like, stubborn. I don't want to talk. And Lip is fully having a fucking breakdown, but Ian holds strong and doesn't say anything. And yes, as a matter of fact, I have... I haven't written... I have read the fan fictions that imply... That while Lip is in the store freaking out and Ian is sitting there silently watching all of this, that the security guard that works with Ian is mysteriously missing and is maybe underneath the counter. (laughs) Your mind. I think I might have written one where like they were talking about that time that Lip came in and feed and fucked up the store and i might have written that mickey said yeah he almost gave me a fucking headache banging on the counter like that and i hated myself for it but oh my god i mean where was the security guard and why was ian suddenly can't move tight-lipped all tense and then back at the jacksons uh grammy has showed up at sheila's house to see frank uh, Jody answers the door and then goes to cook in the kitchen. Sheila tries to compliment Frank to his mom. She's like, you really raised a wonderful man. He's very clean. No, he isn't. No, he's the dirtiest man on earth. Sheila can't even pretend to say nice things about him. And then she goes upstairs to get Frank. And he has tied the bed sheets together for a rope to try and sneak out the bedroom window. He's I understand. So Grammy's so intimidating. She really is. She's got like a scar across her neck. Like somebody tried to slit her throat, but it didn't work. Like it's, it's 
crazy. And then in the meantime, let's go check in on the balls. Let's do a little. How work. are they doing? Check in with the balls. Ethel still calls Kev Mr. Kevin, which I find so adorable. It's so cute. All of Ethel's sister wives are at the house to tell her that her husband Clive has been murdered in the American prison. They're like all in black and they sit down and they do like a prayer circle and they try to pray with Ethel. And, and they're they both say, just, they're so uncomfortable. <laughs> they say they're working to bring Ethel home and Kev is so against that. It's, he can't even stand it. He's like, he puts his foot down. He's like, like, fuck, you are taking her back there. Fuck you. You're not getting this kid out of this house. Like, I love it, dad. At the Jacksons, Sheila has made it to the staircase. She made it to the staircase. So proud of her. So she's sitting there, like, talking through the bars of the staircase, trying to bond with Grammy Gallagher. And then she invites her to Karen's wedding reception. Grammy could not give a shit about any of this. Mm -hmm. She didn't give a fuck. She doesn't know these people. She came here to get Frank and leave. And she now she's sitting here stuck talking to Sheila. She insults Sheila, like, a lot. Like, right to her face. And Sheila's like, you're a very rude person. And kicks her out of the house. Queen shit. I I am a Sheila Jackson defense squad. Nobody makes her cry. So then Frank and Grammy are stuck in traffic in Kev's truck. Frank tries to talk about the kids, says Lip is smart, and that Ian's a real lady killer. He's really nailing all of them. Yeah, all the ladies. So Frank doesn't know one thing about his kids. Not one thing. And Grammy doesn't fucking care. She doesn't fucking care. She tells him to shut the fuck up. And then we go, and he does. Somebody tells Frank to shut the fuck up, and he shuts the fuck up. She's one of the characters that can literally, like, just, like, silence him. Like, everyone else Frank doesn't give a shit about, but Grammy's, like, the one person that, like, puts him on edge at all times. I love that. Good, he deserves to be put in his place. I love that aspect of her. And then over at the double date, Steve and his girl are late. Uh, but Fiona is looking quite remarkable, if I say so myself, with her date Adam, which is the rich guy she's been fucking from the he's club. He's scrumptious. I like Adam, even though he has money. Steve is so cocky. Why do I like it? He is so good and makes me so mad that I can't even draw the line for myself. <laughs> and then he talks to Adam for a while, and then we find out Steve and this woman are married. He married this woman. Mm. Estefania he married her and Fiona's like you fucking you what you did what now uh so Fiona's like I need to get out of here so she goes up to go to the bathroom and Steve wastes no time he makes up some other stupid excuse with no subtlety at all and follows her into the bathroom and he explains they immediately start screaming at each other in the bathroom their their chemistry I can't I will never get over their chemistry Steve explains he had to marry Estefania to stay alive because his business of he got into drugs his business pissed off her dad who was a drug kingpin in Brazil and he was gonna get murdered so he married Estefania to prevent himself from being murdered like he's smart but goddamn how does he get himself in these situations because like for all we know he was working with cars and now he's working with like basically a cartel or something so his she's like well who the fuck does that woman think i am and he's like she thinks you're my cousin and then he says he misses her and then in blink of an eye they truly can't keep their fucking hands off of each other but then this scene makes me sad because then poor rich man they, they Estefania to fuck- does not know what the fuck's going on. No. <laughs> She's just she there for a good time. She couldn't give a shit either. Like, the, the guy Fiona is legitimately dating, but, like, 
spoiler alert for a little bit down the road, Estefania's fucking some other guy. Like, she doesn't oh, yeah. give a shit about Steve. So they start to fuck in the bathroom, and it's like that, it's like the, the pilot episode kitchen fucking. It's like, it's that wild, frenetic energy with them. And they get pretty far into fucking before Fiona's like, no, and pushes him away and, like, stops it. And then back at the table, Estefania's just chilling, speaking to Adam in Portuguese. And Adam's like, I don't know what you're saying to me. He's just, like, smiling at her, like, mm-hmm, I don't know what you're saying. And then Fiona and Steve rejoin the table, and Adam figures out what just happened right away. He's like, I'm not stupid. You were clearly just fucking in the bathroom just now. So he gets up and breaks up with Fiona and leaves. And then from chaos to sorrow, Ethel is praying in her room. Kevin V are, Kevin V are worried about losing her and the baby. They're worried that that these uh that these women are going to find a way to take Ethel away from them. And Ethel overhears Kevin V saying that the sister wives are evil, and she objects to that. And Ethel is just so hurt and sad, and I want to hug her. She's literally the only character on this show. I want an Ethel and Malik spinoff. Where? Where is it? Where are they? Are they happy? Are their babies grown up? She comes in pure. She stays pure. And she leaves happy. Like, I... It, Ethel Ethel is the dream. But let's catch up with Grammy Gallagher, uh, who is meeting with her old meth lab partner, Chuck. I love this scene because they're already in his office and he walks in like trying to take like a normal appointment and then he sees who it is and he's like, fuck. (laughs) He's like, I thought you were in prison. (laughs) Uh, I just, I I feel so, it's like another actor. I'm like, I will never see you as anything other than God. Uh, (laughs) He apparently stole $200,000 from her. That was what was in that safe deposit box. God damn. That's a lot of fucking money. She says, she's like, we had a fucking deal about what would happen when shit went down. And when shit went down, you flipped on me. She's like, you need to pay me my $200,000 tomorrow, doctor, or mm. you will be sorry. Because he's a plastic surgeon. So she's like, how do you not have money laying around? Yeah, exactly. They have a lot of money. And then she goes back to Frank in the truck and he tries to get her to cut him in on whatever it is. Because he doesn't know what the deal is with her. But he tries to get her to cut him in. And she ignores that and instead steals his ice cream out of his hand. I love her power. And he, like, throws a tantrum like a child. Oh, it's so good. He gets so so mad because he's never told no and he can do everything he wants. But then the one person that can, like, has him wrapped around their pinky. Damn. So Grammy stole her partner Chuck's picture of his- I don't know the character's name. It's Chuck. He stole the picture of his family from his desk. And she sort of half cooks up a plan to kidnap his children. And apparently Frank, Frank won't stoop that low. Frank won't kidnap children. Okay, he's got a line. Good to know. Good to know he's got a line. For once. Yeah. So Grammy, she like has a flare up of something in her chest and has to sit down. And she sends Frank to get her medication from the pharmacy. And he's like, I need money. So she gives him money for it. And as she's giving it, she says one of the best lines. All my life I waited for that phone call. Peggy, there's been a mix-up at the hospital. He's not your son. She's brutal. Imagine having a meth-cooking, murdering ex-con for a mom and still being the disappointment of the family. Imagine that. That's just how you know how 
bad Frank is and everyone dislikes him. Like, she can have all of those traits under her belt, but mm -mm. nope, Frank, you're still the worst. His relationship with his mom, though, super explains him and Monica. This man has mommy issues. Oh, big old mommy issues. Monica is nothing if not a manifestation of mommy issues. Uh, and then we jump back to the doctor's office where he is having a consultation with a woman and her exposed breasts because he's a plastic surgeon. Yeah, of course we had to see boobs. And Frank walks in on him in his office uh, and, like, joins him in his... They, they leave the patient and they go to his office. And Frank's like, I want my mom's money right now. She's going to kidnap your children. And uh, the doctor picks up a hollowed out book from the bookshelf and hands Frank $75,000 and says, that's it. That's all she's getting. It's all I have. It's like my go box in case she ever flipped on me. Now take this money and she has to fucking forget me. At least $75,000 in cash. That's a lot of money just to have lying around. He has that and like passports in a hollowed out book. Yeah, <laughs> like what the fuck? His go box. And then we go back over to a still sad Ethel. Uh, and Malik is there and they're pushing their kids in their strollers in the park and talking about Ethel possibly being forced to go back to her old family where she would be given a 65-year-old husband, Clive's brother. Ew. And he's younger than Clive, but, like, Malik is like, that is not an option, Ethel. No. And Malik's like, you're not a little kid anymore. You're 14. Oh. She's like, you're not a little kid anymore. You get, deci you get to decide what's best for you and your son. So, the, n I love Malik. I love Malik so much. He's such, like, a good token character that we got, that we had little time with, but, like, he's so good and so nice. And he and Ethel are such a good fit. They're like, so cute. Uh, and then we go back to Frank and Granny. Oh, Fr Granny has been casing out the guy's kids, and Frank's like, uh, it's over, I got your money, here's $50,000. And he's like, I don't want you going back to prison, I wanted to just end this, and if you think it's right, you can give me a cut of the money. You know, besides the 25000 he already took. Yeah. She's like, are you kidding me? I was going to get 200000 And you negotiated him down to fifty. Like, guess who else is pissed off? That's right, it's Fiona. She's angrily folding laundry and bitching about Steve and his wife while V eats chicken and listens. And Debbie comes down and V fills her in on all of it just immediately. She just spills it. Fiona's like, oh, any privacy? Do I get any privacy? And Debbie's like, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. Um, and including telling Ian and Carl about Ethel's dead husband. So, like, V downloads everybody on what's happening. Of course she does, as she's supposed to. We love some exposition. Liv comes home and flips Ian off and, like, just in his face, finger in his face and walks past him. And Fiona's like, still? This is still happening? Back with Grammy and Frank, she counts the 50000 out. And then, while Frank is driving, stabs him in the leg with a screwdriver, demanding the rest she knows he took. The fact that she stabs him while he's driving. I'm like, girl, what? <laughs> and, like, and I love that she knows him so well. She's like, you gave me 50000 I know you have more than that. Oh, yeah. So, uh, he, like, gives her the rest. He gives her another ten, And then she's like, is that it? Doesn't she, like, like, oh, it hurts like to whisk it and he's like fucking fine and he gives her the rest and she gets all riled up she's like god damn it you got me going again give me my meds that he she sent him to get he did not get her meds nope. and she, now she's just even angrier at him and he's like don't stab me again the next morning we're back with lip he's smoking under the l staring at karen's house you know very healthy very healthy behavior. as you do uh, the rest of the Gallagher's are at Karen's wedding reception. Fiona, they're all like talking and chatting in the in the wedding reception. And Fiona says about Jody, 
It's like an offhanded thing. She's like, he's doing a, he's doing like an urban version of a tuxedo. Uh, she's, I love her. <laughs> and he's got like a bolo tie and a vest. Oh, I love him. Jody's oh my gosh. so not, good. How good would more Fiona and Jody scenes have been? I feel like Jody didn't interact with like anyone besides like Frank and Lip. Like those are the only like more outside characters besides like the... Uh, like that Sheila Karen household. What I wouldn't give for Jody to have just more scenes with other people. Like, yes. I, so Frank is still trying to cook up a scheme with the guy from the bar to rip off Sheila because he got the guy to like pretend he was an economics professor or something. And Sheila misunderstands the scam try that Frank's trying to pull so much that she's like, "Oh, so I should just give all of my money to an orphanage." Frank's like, no, 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 you misunderstand me. She's like, you know what? I need to go away from here. And she just goes upstairs. She gets overwhelmed and goes upstairs. Who else is invited to the reception, apparently? Steve and his wife, somehow. Why, why, are, they, why are they invited? No one knows them, besides, like, the fucking Gallaghers. And then they're immediately confronted with Debbie. Debbie walks up to him and goes, what's up, Jimmy? I love her. She doesn't hold back. Nobody else knows that his name is Jimmy. Just her. Does Fiona not know? No, because Debbie thought that when she, at the end of last season, Debbie's like, I need to tell you something about Steve. And Fiona's like, I already know, because Fiona thought Debbie meant the car stealing. Oh, yeah. But Debbie knows about, like, the whole double life, but Fiona only remembers, only thinks she was referring to, like, the drug stuff. Or, I mean, not, not the, I mean, the car stuff. So Debbie calls him Jimmy, and he's like, oh, we need to stop that conversation right now. Oh, yeah, this is when she starts just getting bribed by him this whole season <laughs> to keep her mouth shut. No, that was last season. This season, she's just over it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm getting my timelines mixed up. Uh, and then Kev teases Fiona about fucking Steve in the bathroom. And Fiona's like, V, you told him? And, and Kev's like, we don't keep secrets from each other. <laughs> the only couple... Like, the, you have to know if you're telling V something, Kev is going to hear about it. If you're telling Kev something, oh, yeah. V is going to hear about it. it. Like, that's just how it works. And then upstairs, we see Karen. She walks in to give Sheila a pep talk. She's like, you're doing great, Mom. You're doing awesome. And Sheila's, like, holding a drink. And Karen's like, you know you can't drink on your meds, right? And she's like, yeah, I'm just holding it to make other people comfortable so that I don't feel weird, even though you won't leave the staircase. And she ushers Karen out of the room. And then she cries takes a handful mm-hmm. of pills and washes it down with wine. Oh, Sheila. We go back out to Lip on the Curb. He's had a lot of beers and he's been chain smoking, smoking and he's ready to make some mistakes. Yeah, he is. He walks into the party and Fiona right away is like, hi, that's a bad idea. Why are you here? And he goes over to Grammy, who's at the bar of the house and they start drinking together. She's like, are you 21? He's like, in four years. So at least we have an age given to one of the characters for once. He's 17, still got, oh, sorry, minor season 11 thing. That oh yeah, I was about to say, I was like, we didn't talk about this in season, and we didn't talk about this part in fucking season. Everyone's ages are different again. And what, Carl's older than Debbie now? <laughs> yeah, Debbie's like, sorry, I- I'm not going to cut this into the minisode. Uh, go back and listen to the minisode. Uh, Debbie says that the girl, Julia, was 17, which is only 10 months younger than Debbie, which makes Debbie 18, but Carl is 19. But Debbie has always been a year older than Carl. Yeah, Debbie's always been older than Carl, and they aged Carl up, I think, more so for the purpose, so he's a little bit closer to the age you can be to be a cop. (laughs) And then, but at the same time, like, I feel like Julia, I remember 
I think in season 10, they didn't say she was 17. I think she was, like, she said she was, like, 16. Like, yeah. they literally said she was 16 in season 10 when they were, like, getting together or whatever. And then Debbie was 18. So still rocky, but still not that bad because, like, it's only, like, a two-year gap. But they, like, they literally reversed all of their ages just so they could create another plot point uh, yeah and i don't even want to ask how old they think ian is um i ian okay but like this is no shade to like cameron monaghan but ian looked like he aged four years since season 10 cameron does not look the same i was like you look like a man like he looks like a man he's got like season two hair but he's season 10 beefy yeah like he looks like a child still but he's like his face is so much aged but like obviously that's just cameron getting older but cameron's like what only like 25 26 maybe yeah like meanwhile noel is fully in his mid-30s i know <gasps> like when he started mickey he was 25 and now it's season 11 <laughs> 11 yeah. years later and he and now mickey is supposed to be like 25 yeah which is really funny or maybe maybe mickey's supposed to be in his late i don't know so then in season two let's say mickey and lip are the same age season two mickey is 17 so in season 11 mickey is uh 26 does that math work that math works yeah nine seasons later yeah see this is what fucking happens to us man but like yeah we hadn't covered that in the minisode um age is weird and it doesn't matter but in this scene in season two back in time lip is seven i just love that she's like are you 21 in four years and then she pours him a drink sheila is not happy that grammy is at the party and wants grammy to leave the fucking house yeah i don't blame her it's the first time we see sheila get like truly defensive of somebody other than out against somebody other than eddie frank's like nope sorry i am terrified of that woman so she'll be staying and then uh steve is super steve's wife is very stefania is very nice to fiona gives her a big old hug and then fiona and steve like grin at each other and they're like so the thing that happened in the bathroom nothing happened in the bathroom i don't know what you're talking about and then the speech the sheila speech she loves karen so much i love her it's very sweet uh she very off handedly mentions that frank might be karen's baby daddy but apparently frank we learned too much about frank and his dick in this speech and then we learn that eddie didn't like being pegged <laughs> lame lame like predictable but lame and that he had a weird lump on his dick i don't need to know all of this yeah we didn't need to know this about eddie he's dead and then she was like the gallagher's oh you guys are all you guys are such good friends to this family especially you lip and then Grammy, like, interrupts her with some, with, uh, like, a heckle. And she was like, well, you weren't even invited. Uh, why did they let you out? Because you're a loud, mean, vicious bitch. Yes, Sheila, clap back. And Karen, oh my god, Karen tries to call the cat fight off and Grammy's, like, yelling back at her. And she was like, have I offended you in my home where you are an interloper? And then the best line. I think about this line all the time. You've got a demon mind and a devil's womb and heart and your coochie smells of brimstone and sulfur. Sheila's, like, screaming. I love her. Give Joan Cusack an Emmy right now for that line. And then Grammy pulls out a gun and fires it at the ceiling. 
but like tr- like a plus work from Joan Cusack, like fucking mm-hmm. incredible shit. Tony the cop who is at the reception because of course he is takes the gun from Grammy and then Frank in all the chaos sneaks upstairs to call the cops on his mom. <laughs> then Tony goes outside when the cops get there. He's like, it was a misunderstanding, people. Um, you can actually you can go away. And all of the cops just listen to him. They just they don't even come and check it. Just that's just the one cop in um Chicago tells them we're good. Yeah. Frank chases the cops down the street, but, like, to no success. They're not coming back. Tony said it's all good, so they went away. After that, fiasco, and the- Karen's in the backyard crying about the party, and Lip comes up to her, and he's like, that's my baby. And she says, if you want it, like, what, do you want it? And he's like, no, I want you to get an abortion. Which, like, ugh, is, like, the- one uh, of the shittiest things Lip has ever said. Yeah. Like, I- like, I get it, but it's- that's not how you even start that conversation regardless. Yeah, she slaps him. It's not- that was not alright, that comment. She could- she could get one if she wants one, but, like, that wasn't the way to- And then we go to Ethel in her room. She's packing, but when Kev knocks, she hides it from him. And he just- he comes in to check on her, because he's worried about her, because he's a dad. And he's like, you can- you can talk to me and V if you, like, need somebody to talk to. And she- says and he's like everyone was asking for you at the party they all missed you Mm, they all love ethel ethel has a family they're her family and then she tells him thank you for everything and gives him a hug and it It was really sweet and made me really sad then at the gallagher's grammy is asleep in frank's bed he picks up the gun raises it to her head and then puts it down (laughs) he doesn't have the balls and then in the morning, Fiona is woken up by Debbie again, asking if they can shop for school clothes today. And Fiona's like, did I already, did I already commit to doing that? Debbie's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Fiona's like, well, if I already, if I already committed to doing that, then yes, then that's what we can do today. And Debbie's like, so uh, how was it like seeing Jimmy? Who? Debbie's like, you know, Jimmy, Steve. Jimmy, Steve, the person you said you knew about already. So she's like, she spills the beans. Here are some beans all over Fiona's bed. We, she finds out everything about Jimmy, Steve. Good, about time. Now we all get to start calling him Jimmy, Steve. Just all the time. But before we can ingest that, and before Fiona can ingest that, we're Kev say V, they're gone. Because he's freaking out because Ethel and Malik, Ethel and Jonah took their things and fucking left. They're gone. But real quick, after that, we have to see Carl playing Xbox in the Gallagher living room. And Debbie talking to Granny. And Granny tells Debbie, go get me, go get me coffee. And Debbie comes back and she hands Debbie a new laptop. Goddamn. <laughs> Grammy out here buying presents. And then we hear Fiona leave Jimmy a voicemail. She's like, hey, uh, Jimmy, go fuck yourself. <laughs> she's so mad but good she deserves to be mad and then kevin v come in with the news about ethel asking if debbie knows anything and debbie's like no i just thought they were running late i just i don't i don't know anything about it and then kev's like ethel he thinks ethel's sister wives took her and grammy's like i can help you in the daycare because ethel is not going to be here in the daycare and fiona's like let's let's chat she sits with grammy to have a chat and grammy's like i'm I'm not trying to scam you. I legitimately just want to be a grandma. Um, I missed a lot. I'd like to just be here. The one the one nice thing that Grammy said. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I know I've been buying them gifts. I'm sorry. I got Grammy time to make up for. Here's $500 as a peace offering. I'll take that shit. <laughs> Fiona's like, you know what? Might not be too bad having Grammy around for, for a hot minute. Then we go back to the Jacksons. Sheila is looking at a letter from the life insurance company. Eddie left all of his money 
to Karen. Sheila's like, this is so great. Now I don't have to worry about it. Eddie knows I wouldn't She's so happy that she she doesn't need to, like, continuously support Karen. They'll have so much money. And then Frank finally snaps. He's pissed. He goes off on Jody about hit. He's like, you hit the fucking jackpot. I've been here for months. I've been putting in all the work. And Sheila is, like, standing here listening to that. And she's like, um, you need to get the fuck out of my house. Yep. And, like, he's, and he, you can see in his head, he's like, oh, shit, I said that out loud. Yeah, he oh. fucked up. Jody saw the true colors. And Sheila's like, oh, you said, you said that all out loud. Um, you need to, you need to leave. And then back to the Ethel hunt. Kev is on the phone with social services. And then V opens, like, the fridge and finds a note on the milk in the fridge. Ethel left it there because she knew they'd see it eventually. Not right away, but they'd see it. And then they go into the back. Kev's like, I'm going to get my truck. We're going to just go out looking for her. And they go back into the backyard toward the garage to get the truck. And we see that the backyard is dug up. Because remember a few episodes back when Kev was burying those garbage bags full of weed? Ethel helped him with that. And you know what her and Malik did? <laughs> they dug that shit up. Kev and V are like, oh, fuck. V's like, how much weed was that? He's like, it was a lot. It was a lot of weed. And she's like, well, who's going to buy weed plants off of a girl in a little house in a prairie dress? Oh, right, Malik. And then I love it because it um it cuts to Malik and Ethel carrying each other's babies, getting on a mega bus. And then, like, if you look out, like, the window behind them, it's, like, these two guys just, like, holding the two big trash bags just to be like, okay. And Malik's got, like, a wad of cash in his hand. But they mm-hmm. are. They have each other's kids on their laps. It's so no. <laughs> They hold hands and the bus drives away and it's the it's the best. It's the saddest but also like the best like exit because like I love those characters so much but I'm so happy they were able to like be free. Like I wish I wish more than anything we could have gotten more time with Ethel. I love Ethel and she's amazing but like I love her. It's so good. I love it. Oh my god. Uh, so it's the pure it's pure it's happy and like they will forever be like the golden, the gold standard of storylines mm-hmm. in this show. So then Frank has been kicked out of Sheila's. He returns home, and Grammy catches him looking through the mail for Ginger's secure social security check that Frank always gets. And Frank is on the fucking brink right now between Sheila and his mom. And then she lays she lays down some demands, and he snaps at her. And then she like gives it right back to him. And Fiona is on the staircase, like with the laundry, overhearing the whole thing. And, like, you could see on her face, like, developing a little bit of sympathy for Frank. Of, like, the way Grammy is talking to him. And then after Grammy's done talking to him, Fiona goes outside, ignores a phone call from Steve, gives Frank a beer and goes, Yeah, it's tough. My parents suck, too. (laughs) I love her. She's like, fuck you, Frank. Will you do this shit to us? We don't, no sympathy. And this starts like a tiny bit of a little friendship between them for like the next episode. And Emmy and, and Bill Macy getting to work together is, is. Oh yeah. And then we cut to credits. Uh, and the after credit scene is Carl waking up in the van with Frank. Cause that's where Frank is allowed to sleep now. Frank wet the bed again. And then um, he just like, he, like, he's like, you wet the bed. And then Frank just rolls over. <laughs> yeah, he's like, find a dry spot. I'm not moving. And then the music, there was no like song at the end. It was just guitar store, score, no song attached to it. But that's it. That's the episode. That's the episode. Okay. How'd you feel about this episode? Um, Like I said, it's not one of my favorites. Because mm-hmm. uh, Ian did, Ian literally doesn't even say a word. Or, um, or maybe he says one or two. Liam straight up isn't in the episode because baby yeah, Liam. Yeah, baby don't know where he is. Um, but it was fine. Uh, the Ethel and Malik thing was great. 
Yeah. Sheila's confronting Grammy. Marvelous. Love it. I enjoy the Grammy storyline. It only lasts a few episodes, but I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But that's it. And I'm yeah. not wild about it. Yeah, like, I feel like we don't really gain anything when she's that present. Like, she does add some to the storyline, but, like, in the long run, like, she's just there for the plot. Like, every other fucking new character that we meet and see and stuff like that. But I like her. I like how she's just, like, bad to the bone, doesn't give a shit, and, like, will not take shit from anyone. And I like how mean she is the Frank, because someone needs to be mean the Frank. Yeah, I did love that. I did love that. I think it was, you know what? Um, For it being, for Bill Macy writing it, I think it it fit well with the vibe of the show. Like, it was, it didn't feel like a wild departure, because I think he knows the characters really well. When I say Frank is not the main character, it's not because, I mean, Bill Macy's wife I have opinions about. Um, I have a few opinions about Bill Macy, but like, He's a good actor. Frank yeah. is just not a character I care about. Yeah, that's how I am exactly. I like, don't give a shit about Frank, but then that also needs to play into, like, then that actor is playing their character so well, like, that, that like, you can hate their character so much, so that means they're doing a good job. <laughs> Same thing with Monica. Like, Monica yeah. makes me want to crawl out of my skin because that, because Chloe Webb is so good. Monica and Nancy Spungen. She just, like, gets all of the insanity. I always so, yeah. forget she was in Sid and Nancy. Her power. Yeah. And then, like we said before, it's the same with all the characters we hate. The guy who plays Cash, the guy who plays Terry. Like, we hate them because they're great at their job. Yeah, they're so good at their jobs. Because then that's, like, if you have a character that, like, is malicious and you're like, oh, you love them. And I'm like, y- you need to be able to accept that they're a bad character, but still also enjoy that character and that actor's, like, adaptation of said character. Yeah, like, we love the characters we love because the actors are doing an amazing job, like Cam and Noel and Emmy and and Jeremy. And then we hate the characters we hate because the actors are doing an amazing job. But yeah, that it was, it was a perfectly fine episode. This is going to be a short one for us, but we have the mini-sode that's come, that's, the first one should be out by the time this is up. Yes. And then the second episode of season 11 is going to air. It's going to be bittersweet to say goodbye to the show, but yeah. you and I will be stuck in this hell for a while. <laughs> for God knows how long. God knows how long, but we chose this. We did. But you know, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it. Uh, next up, ep- I-, I already did the notes for the next episode. The next episode I'm hype about. It's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. And then 208. You know who we get in 208. It's going to be a good 208. It's yeah, be a good we know one. what we're getting. I'm going to try to finesse a guest for 208, too. So we'll see. Please. We'll see how that goes. Uh, next week, we're probably going to have a guest as well. Uh, I think so. Most likely, we're going to have a guest. But thanks, everybody, for joining us again. Thank you so uh, much. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, comment on our YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube. Just tell us. Tell us you like us. And follow uh, the show's Twitter uh at luck we had pod on instagram at luck we had pod on twitter email us at luck we had or sorry email us luck we had pod at gmail.com the link to our website is in the bios of our twitter and our instagram and you can also find the link to our youtube channel which is just the luck we had pod uh and our instagram on my tiktok which is at abnormal amanda underscore 18 you can find me on instagram at abnormal amanda 18 and on twitter at abnormal amanda 
Evan, where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at I Wanna Die 4000. And then if you want to follow me on Twitter where I'm not that active, it's Internet Internet Life Yo. And then go ahead and check out our website. It is Luck We Had Pod um, Card.co. Card with C, uh, two R's. It will have all the links to all the websites to listen to the podcast, any ways to get in contact with us. Um, also, Amanda wrote a amazing dissertation on Mickey Milkovich, uh, which is now on the website. You guys can go ahead and look that, um, look, check that out. It's a PDF um, open for everyone. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, but you can follow <laughs> us on all of the things. And listen to our podcast. And uh, thank you for joining us. And thank we you will for be joining back us. A mini sode, hopefully, of 1102. Uh, let's see how angry Shameless makes us. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, 207 in a couple of weeks. But uh, thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.